0: My wife and I are doing the marriage recovery uh, because you guys have been in close proximity for seven months now. It's gonna be good, excited about it. We actually had started a new series um, and we got two lessons into it. That's when, that's when I call it Cyrus the Virus. So that's when Cyrus hit. And uh, so we had to stop everything. So we're gonna have to go back over number one and two because I know y'all forgot. The first part of it, okay? It's like, how do I, because it's done. I mean, domestic violence has gone up. There's a lot of things that have happened, marriage issues. And so that's the church is needed more than ever, amen, to get together and talk about it in a safe way. And, uh, again, so kids, you guys can go ahead and be dismissed first through sixth grade. Mr. Louie, we'll meet you right back there. We've got a great lesson for you today. And uh, sure glad that you're here today. Thanks for joining us online if you're here for the first time. Thank you so much um, for taking the time. There's a lot of great churches in our area. Uh, thank you for picking us today. I'll be your captain. I'll make sure your flight is safe. All right? Matter of fact, I, that's what people say when they tell me, hey, have a good flight. Like, I'm gonna fly somewhere. I'll be like, it's kind of up to the captain. <laughs> can't, steer the, can't steer the flame from the back seat. And so uh, today I will be your captain and I hope, to, uh, I hope to make you glad that you came to church. That's my heart today, is to give you something that you can take home and say, okay, I need to work on this. I need to develop this. And we're at a series we started last week. Um, it's called When Tendencies Take Over. And you know, all of us have tendencies. I, I have tendencies when I speak. I do certain things. Uh, some things drive me crazy. I'll go back and watch you know, and I'm like, I do that? Or I say that? And, and your tendencies are usually something you don't see yourself. Okay, It's something somebody else notices in you. And the important thing is that we recognize what our tendencies are. And today, we're in Luke chapter 15, and we're talking about the prodigal son. We're looking through his life. And the title of today's message is to focus on the fix. Focus on the fix. And when I wrote this, um, I I announced Wednesday night, hey, this is what the title is. I realized that um, unless you're a drug addict... Okay, if you're a drug don't focus on the fix, all right? Focus on getting away from the fix. So I thought this could actually be a bad connotation because I've never used drugs, so I didn't think about that until I reread the title and I thought it was kind of funny. Anybody ever try to run away from home when you're a kid? I I threatened, you know, my mom was probably like, thank you, Jesus. uh, I get a break from this guy. Well, I grew up in a little tiny country town where there was nowhere to go anyway. You know, we had about 400 people and it's, you know, everybody would know. But I threatened to run away. It's a true story. I threatened my mom to run away because I was mad. She probably punished me for something I did. And so she's like, okay. And she went and got the suitcase, my suitcase, and stuck it by the front door. Just didn't say a word. Just left it, you know, because I'm like, what? Wait, wait. I didn't really mean that. Uh, but my mom reacted appropriately. By saying, oh, you want to pack your bags? I'll pack them for you. Here you go. Hit the door, buddy. And, uh, and I really rethought that, you know. So it's a funny thing how we can deal with certain kids a certain way, and it works. You know, a, a strong-willed child sitting in their suitcase by the door probably wouldn't do a whole lot to them emotionally, but if you had one of those kids that are super needy and clingy, it would probably shatter their entire childhood that, you actually want me to go. Um, but, it, but it's something I remembered as I was talking about or referred to what we're gonna talk about today. So let's get into this. A little bit of a recap. Um, We're gonna read the story, and then we'll talk about uh, what what the little brother does. He follows his heart, which is not the best of ideas. Um, So this is what happened. Chapter 15 of Luke, verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, just for fun, uh, because it's a story, it's a parable, there's no names in it. I want you to picture the Ponderosa. I want you to picture Bonanza, okay? I want you to picture Little Joe is the brother, Hoss is the big brother, and Ben Cartwright is the dad. All right? So I want that to go through your brain as we're talking about this. So, so Little Joe is like, Dad, I want, I, I'm sick of the Ponderosa, I'm sick of the rules, I'm sick of being under you, I wanna go do my own thing, give me my part of the Ponderosa, and, and his dad says, okay? Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had, some of you just pictured Michael Landon at a bar, right? Anybody do it in a saloon? Because that's just what went through my mind. Uh, a little joke. And uh, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and he hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs, He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, "'How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, "'and here I am starving to death. "'I will set out, I will go back to my father, "'and I will say to him, "'Father, Pa, I've sinned against heaven and against you. "'I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. "'Make me like one of your hired men.' So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. We'll stop there, we'll deal with the next part of it next week. Um, One thing that he did, and we'll call him Little Joe because we don't know his name. The one thing that he does, he follows his heart and he made a mess of life. And when I think about the, the phrase, oh, follow your heart, I think about Disney shows because we have kids and girls and they grow up watching. And, and one thing that Disney does in their shows, Cinderella, all the princess movies, suppose, just follow your heart, right? How often have you heard that? Oh, just follow your heart. Well, as a Christian, when I hear that phrase, it grates me a little bit because I know what Jeremiah seventeen nine says about the heart. It says the heart is deceitful and wicked. It says who can know it? You know, and, and so I don't want to follow something that's deceitful. I don't want to follow something that's going to lead me down the wrong path. And the best way to know a lie is to know the truth very well. Know it so well that when the lie comes, you understand it. But, but little Joe, he did it. He followed his heart. His heart led him down this path of fun and adventure. And eventually he finds himself broke. It's amazing how many friends you have when you got money. But as soon as the money runs out, you find out who your friends are or aren't, okay? And little Joe is now having to hire himself out. All the people that he paid for, all the bar tabs he paid for, all the food he paid for, now they're not giving him the time of day. and He's got to hire himself out to simply eat pig food. So my challenge for you in this part of the message is to manage your heart. Don't follow it. Manage your heart. We give our hearts to Christ Okay, we give him ownership over it. The heart still wants to be deceitful. But when we allow God to take a heart every day, and that's what I do. I don't get saved every day, but I give him my heart every day. Because I'm like, God, I know where this heart will lead me. I know the things it thinks. I know the things that it goes after. And God, I need you to, to guard this heart. And so we need to manage that heart, not to follow it. But he did. That's where he's at. And now he's feeding Pigs. Okay, if he was Jewish, okay, in this particular book of Luke, it doesn't say what nationalities, but if he was Jewish, and we're kind of figuring that Jesus probably is referring to him as being Jewish because of the pig thing, that was the lowest thing of the lowest thing. You didn't touch pigs, you didn't eat pigs, you didn't do anything with pigs because it was like the worst thing you could do as a Jewish man. So for the sake of what Jesus was probably saying, we'll say he was probably Jewish. So he's saying this guy was rock bottom. He was at the lowest point in his entire life and here he is feeding the very thing that he is supposed to despise as a Jewish man. It's the lowest of the low. That's the picture Jesus is painting him, feeding pigs. Here's what we do. We often spend our time looking at the problem we're in. It's a human tendency that we get stuck there. And I wonder how many of you today are stuck in your problem. You're stuck in the thing that you really would rather not be there but you're not quite sure how to get out of it Maybe you made a decision, maybe you have an addiction, maybe there's something that you're involved in, and it's like, okay, I have this problem, maybe it's a problem you didn't even create. Maybe somebody else did something or made a decision, now you're in the problem. You ever been a part of someone's problem you didn't want to be a part of someone's problem? It's like, no, right? I, I didn't ask for this, but sometimes we got to deal with life. Things get thrown at us, and we didn't always cause it, but we do have to deal with it. I broke my neighbor's window as a kid, my best friend's mom came out, I threw, a, I threw a baseball, hit the window, shattered the window. It was actually a hard wiffle ball, so I didn't think it would do it, but it did. And, and I did the thing that every eight-year-old would do. I went and hid under the house, like their house. And as she comes out of the house, after the window shatter, and my, my best friend, my co- he's my cousin. You know, he's doing, he's going, he's under there, he's under there, he's under there. <laughs> like, like, they just threw me under the bus, but it wasn't a bus, it was a trailer. Uh, you threw me under the trailer. And, you know, we, we, we get ourselves into situations where, I never thought about the fact, and I recently actually apologized to my dad, like 45 years after the fact. I was like, Dad, you had to pay for that window, because when you're a kid, you don't think about that stuff. So I actually caused a problem. My dad had to take care of him. My dad, I don't remember, but he just must have paid for it. I don't remember having to work it off, which is something abnormal, because normally I would have had to have done that. But my dad just took care of the problem. But our human tendency is to get, to get stuck on the problem instead of focusing, focusing on the fix. So we can focus on the problem, but fail to find a solution. Today is really all about solutions. That, that's my heart is to say, okay, I'm gonna give you some solutions to some of the things that you're facing in life. So take some notes, again, take pictures of if something means something to you on the screen. Uh, take a picture of it, because you will forget, you'll be like, oh, a good thought, and then Satan will take that away and you'll be like, what was it? I had a dream the other night, Rick, and it was the best sermon. It was, the, it was the best, and I woke up, and for the life of me, I could not remember what it was. You ever done that? It was like, oh, this is so good. I'm gonna remember it, it's so good. And I wake up, and I'm like, Lord, what, what did you tell me? He's like, I just told you once, boy. You should have wrote it down, all right? And I never could figure out what it was. So many times, people will point out the problem without offering a solution. Uh, to some, it doesn't even cross their mind to fix it. I always appreciate somebody who says, hey, I saw a problem, and I took care of it. And my example uh, would be the bathrooms, okay? Uh, there was a couple of weeks back where the ladies' towel dispenser wasn't working and the batteries were dying. So Christina comes out, she goes, hey, where's the batteries? And I said, well, they're, they're in one of these rooms. And she said, well, it's not working. So she was taking care of it. She didn't just come out and say, hey, it's not working and walk away. She was like, I'm gonna fix this thing. Um, and now it's broke, broke, okay? So if it's not working, ladies, we have new ones. Two weeks ago, they were supposed to come and replace them. So not Christina's fault, just so you know, she reminded me, she's like, they're broke, broke. Uh, but I appreciated her heart to say, here's a problem and I'm gonna fix it. Okay? This is in contrast to, if you remember, Dolores Morgan, who's now with Jesus, lovely lady. Uh, and I, and she, w- she was like intense. She was like the head usher greeter. And there was times that, that she relished this. And I told her, so I said, I'm talking about her, but I already did, so we'll have a conversation in heaven. Because she's with Jesus, so... I can say it, right? And and she was like this intense person, like this is how it's gotta be, this is how it's gotta be. No joke, I would be up here worshiping right in the middle of worship service, like, ah, oh, Jesus, Jesus, and I'd feel this tap, and I'd be like, what? And she'd be like, the lady's, the lady's bathroom needs toilet paper. Okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. No, it's out. Got it, got it. Sunday after Sunday, it felt like, Tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. She would wait, wait to worship. It was like the devil was going, okay, I'm timing, timing, timing. He's involved now. Like, he's focused. And so now she would walk away. And now I'm worshiping going, oh, the lady's bathroom is out of toilet paper. And what happens if there's a woman stranded in there? And as a pastor, I kind of need to know what's going on with the sheep. And, and so Jesus isn't even on my mind anymore. All right? And, and I'm like, this is timing thing. So we had to get our a staff member. I said, okay, when you see her marching up, because every... Intercept, we had an intercept thing like America does with Russia's airplanes when they come into our airspace. There's like an intercept mission. And they would catch her and they'd be like, okay, what's the problem? Well, we're about out of trouble. We need Kleenexes or the soap is about to be gone. And it was never like, more crisis, now the bathroom's flooding. It was like there's a potential problem that could happen down the road. In my mind, I'm like the toilet paper is in the custodian's closet. Just grab some and stick it in there, right? And and but that never crossed her mind. As much as I love her, she was like, I'm gonna tell Pastor Stan. And so we had to, to focus on a fix, and the fix was fix was interception. Because I don't need to be thinking about toilet paper while I'm getting ready to preach. All right. Good hearted woman, but just timing is is an issue with some people. But what I appreciated about people who people who see a problem and they do what they can to at least try to fix it. Right, one thing John Maxwell says, he says, fix a problem on the lowest level possible. Meaning, if you're in leadership and one of your staff says, hey, there was an issue, but I took care of it. Man, you get to get some credit for that. Not of, hey, here's an issue, what are you gonna do about it? It, It's, hey, I, I took care of it. So there are people that are, I call them professional problem pointer outers where they're good at just pointing out the problems but doing nothing to fix it. So be known as a problem solver. This is something that my dad taught us um, in our family, all my brothers and sisters. Man, you see a problem, do the best you can to solve the problem. Yeah, just just do it if you possibly can. Be willing to do the dirty jobs that no one else wants to do. Um, You will get noticed by the management. That's your business tip for the day, completely free. Verse 17. Here's a verse that's important. It says, when he came to his senses, key verse, came to his senses, he realized the check engine light just came on, like ding, oh, there's an issue, there's a problem, when your check engine light comes on and your car's still running fine, what it's telling you is it's not running to its maximum potential, it can still run, But you may not notice that something's gone, and there's sensors all over your car. If you didn't know this, there's sensors all over that They monitor things. Um, We talked about this uh, Wednesday night about air-fuel mixture, and it wants to run peak performance, and there are times in our lives when our check engine light comes on, and we're like, that's okay, I'm I'm getting by. I'm getting by. There's a little miss, but you know, it's still getting me down the road. The question I have for you is, how long are you gonna put up with the engine miss? Some of us are okay with just being okay. Some of us are okay with, "Ah, I'm getting by, but I don't think that's how God wants us to look at life. I don't think he wants us to just say, well, my marriage is okay. Oh, are you okay with just okay? You ever seen those commercials? <laughs> the, the one, my favorite one's the heart surgeon, you know? <laughs> the guy's like, hey, just go, who got reinstated, <laughs> almost. And the guy's like, what? Have you, you ever seen the commercial? It's one of the best commercials ever made. And, and he asked the nurses, he like a good heart surgeon? Oh, she, he's Okay. <laughs> Is that, who, is that what you want, operating on you? And the guy's like nervous. And, and so the doctor then asked him, he said, so you're nervous? The guy goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's a perfect commercial because it talks about its tendencies, right? And are you okay with just being okay? If you haven't, don't look at it now. Don't go to YouTube, but look at, are you okay with being okay after church? If you do it now and you see somebody doing it, you have my message: to take their phone and throw it to the front as an altar just put it up on the altar and then get it after church. He comes to his senses, right? It's a key verse to getting the problem fixed. And all the fun he had is now forgotten. And not once did he say, you know, feeding pigs and starving was so worth all the fun that I had. It was so worth it. You see, fun is forgotten when it leaves you in bondage. Fun is forgotten when it leaves you in bondage. The things that were fun, that you're in bondage, that's not fun anymore. And fortunately, little Joe recognizes this isn't fun anymore. I've my heart. I made my decisions. I had a lot of fun doing it. And now I'm in bondage and I'm feeding pigs. This isn't fun anymore. His check engine light was like, hey, this is serious. So what, this is what he, he 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 focuses on the fix. He gets his plan. And he begins to focus on the thing that will bring him back to what he was. And he knows. He's like, if I can just go back as a servant, that would be great. I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. Maybe my dad, in his compassion, will have mercy on me. And he begins to focus on what the fix is. So here's what, here's what he did. I have my code reader here. This is a mechanic's good friend. It's a code reader. If your check engine light comes on, you plug this thing into it and, and you type in the code, or you type in, let me rephrase it, you plug this in, it tells you what the code is. And the code will be like a P or 171 or 174. It will tell you here. Here's a code, and here's the problem. Like it will let you know what happened. And so here's what little Joe did. Is he he plugs this in, and he's like, "Okay, there's a problem. What's the fix? What do I need to do to fix the problem?" And the code reader is now reading his heart. Now, wouldn't it be this for a moment? Let me let me let me just say that what if you were equipped with a code reader spiritually? And every time you came to church, I got to plug this little sucker into you, and on the screen, it showed every issue you dealt with this week. <laughs> you plug it in, oh, lust. Okay. Oh, jealousy, anger. Oh, you stole something. Oh, you lost your, tail. oh, you cut past it off in traffic. That's like a double, <laughs> that's bad. Wouldn't that be terrible if, if every one of us got plugged in and it's like you seeing assignment was based on how good you were according to the code reader? You know, for me, What I love about the code reader is it tells me what the problem is, but I love to fix the problem and then go back and hit the erase button. It says erase code, yes. And I would be coming into church going, yes, 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 yes. But here's what you can do. You can erase the code without fixing the problem, and it'll stay off for a little bit, but eventually it comes back on. So today we're dealing about fixing the problem, okay, and God today is like, okay, there's a code reader and here's the fix. Here, here's the code reader right here. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But First 1 John 1, nine says if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from, in other words, he pushes the erase button on the code reader. Isn't that cool? And then he says, okay, now let's take care of the problem. So little Joe here, he, he, he's wise enough to come to his senses and go, wow, this is not the way that I had planned All right, he acknowledges he's made a mess. But more importantly, he's focusing on the fix. And one thing that caught my eye, and and I've read the story lots of times in my life, was was he makes this statement, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And and I I felt like the Holy Spirit paused me in my study this week, is, is your worthiness has nothing to do with your DNA. Like when you give your life to Christ, Okay, your DNA is now his. It's not a worthy thing. It's not, well, i got to earn my way back to God. You don't have to earn your way back to God. You repent your way back to God. And, and this son, guys, he never failed to be the guy's son. He was always his son. Where he failed was in his behavior, but it didn't change the DNA of who he belonged to. So he has this view is I'm not even worthy to be his son anymore. Worthiness has nothing to do with it. And some of you may struggle with this. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to know you are a son or a daughter of God. Your behavior doesn't change that, okay? Your sin doesn't change that. You are his. And some of you need that reassurance today because you might have grown up in a home that everything was performance-based. Like, well, if I obeyed, then I was a worthy son or daughter. And that is completely opposite of God, Okay, but we've, we get our, our God view of our earthly father most of the time. So we have this idea. So if dad was always mad at us, then we have to perform to get God's happiness with us. And that is not the case. God is happy with you just because you're his. Okay? Is he always happy with our behavior? <laughs> no. Okay? But he's happy that you're his son and his daughter. And so hopefully this sets you free if you really struggle with, well, that's not worthy to be God's son or daughter. And that worthiness has nothing to do with It has nothing to do with it. Were you worth it for him to send his son to die? Then you're worthy, okay? Because worthy basically means worth it. You gotta think about that. So hopefully that helps some of you today. might struggle with, does God really view me in the way that this dad is viewing his son? But his son's like, I'm not even worthy to be his son anymore. Worthy doesn't change DNA. If you gave your life to Jesus, your DNA is his. Amen, isn't that good? That's a good feeling? Give me an amen or we will not move on from this point. okay. Some of y'all want to get home and and eat food, all right? Focuses on the fix. Here's my plan, okay? Because verse 17 is easy, right? He came to his senses. He's like, bing, whoa, this is no fun, but you can't leave it at that. It's the start of the fix, but it is not the fix. Verse 18 and 19, he acknowledges he's made a mess, but more importantly, he focuses on what he needs to do to get back. Here's my plan on how to get out of the sea. I didn't say this first service. Everybody's got a plan, like, you all got a plan. You, you plan, like, this is how life should be. This is what it should look like. You have a plan. Every, every woman that comes and gets married has this plan of what Disney has been promoting, is that every marriage ends. You know, and Andy Stanley, I think, said this first. He said, you, you ever notice that all, all the Disney shows end at the wedding? Yeah, all Marty yeah, movies. Too. It always ends. It doesn't end with the, the happily ever after. And it's like, and they lived happily ever after. I think we have that in our house, and they lived happily ever after. I'm like, who's they? <laughs> right? well, I'm happy, <laughs> but why does it say they? It should say, and we, right, lived happy. But who, who's they? Is well, somebody else has a perfect marriage. Somebody else has this, available. If only a husband like if i had a wife like that. Da 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 da. No, we have a happy home. We have an amazing marriage. Why? Because we put work into it. Okay, and we are happy. Ever after? Well, ever after is tomorrow. What about today? We got to deal with today. So we have this idea that, that ever after, happily ever after is a thing that just happens without a plan. Well, you have to plan to have a good marriage. You do. You gotta plan every day. You gotta do things for each other. Um, and my wife's an amazing person. She's very easy to live with. I say, I'm, I'm much more difficult to live with than she is. She's more even-keeled. I'm more like the, the woman in the relationship. Can we just talk about it? Come on. That's who your pastor is, emotionally disrupt. distraught At times. Chris is just like, you just need to get over it. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's like, can I have some of your estrogen, babe? Because I'm having a hard time right now. I've never done that, but it's a thought. Well, maybe I've been taking her estrogen. Maybe that's the problem. I thought this was Tylenol the whole time. I don't even know what color estrogen is. What color is estrogen? Is it That's a blue? Okay. Well, maybe I thought it was, what's the, is it apraxin that's blue? Maybe I've been mixing those up. Um, I just focused on the fix. <laughs> I've taken the pill, my back still hurts. I've been taking estrogen, that's bad. Now I'm emotional about it. Just so you know, we're joking around right now. If you're brand new with us, this is how I always am. So if you don't like me, there's other good churches around. Uh, but I will be with you as real, amen? Because we're all journeying this this life together and I think church is a place that you should come and laugh at. Yes. And if I get to be at that expense, then so be it. Uh, so, so little Joe recognized, okay, there's a problem. Not worthy, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna see what dad will do. Here's my plan on how to get out of the mess. Again, everybody's got a plan. It's execution of the plan that's important. You can have plans, but you gotta execute the plan. I wrote here, I noticed that the ditch is always easier to slide into than it is to get out of. Right? And if you just moved here from states we don't mention in church um, that never have snow or ice, welcome to Idaho because you're gonna slide off the road if you drive the way you drive in California. I mean, the state, you know. Yeah, uh, honest question. How many of y'all here, from, you moved from a different state and you've slid off the road because you weren't quite sure how to drive on ice? Like, okay, one honest person. How many of y'all, okay, two, thank you. Conviction is starting to move throughout this thing. You know, okay, the Holy Spirit just touched people's hearts and let them be very uncomfortable enough. they're lying to me on this. Okay, all of us have slid, right? I moved from California, that way I can say, okay, although I did, I grew up in the mountains and I drove in snow, but I, I never experienced black ice. Never, never knew what that was. So I'm going down Eagle Road where it hits Franklin. This is back in the days when there was not much traffic and a couple goats and farm tractor. And, uh, and, I'm, and, I'm and, I, and I start hitting the brakes and nothing happens. I'm like, whoa! Like that! And I said, right in the middle of the intersection. And all the native I- Idahoans go, it's good. You're not from here. It's cool. Yeah, you're like... Far for the course. I think my, my plates have been changed at that point. But but they still knew. Here's what I've known. You can change the plates, but you, don't, you can't change the driving habits. You've got to change the driving habits on purpose. So I slid into the middle of you, and I'm sitting there just going, ah, what was that? It's like <laughs> black ice. You know, black ice isn't black. It's clear. Like if it was black, I could see it, but it's clear. So I've, I've, I know of what I speak. Okay? I'm a country countryman. I grew, I grew up in the mud. I know what it's like to slide off. And it's way faster to slide off than it is to get back out. That's why I have a winch on my truck, okay? Because you can pull yourself out and you can pull other people up, all right? But what do we do when we're in the ditch? And here's, here's the important part. What this guy did, what little Joe did is he owned it. He owned it. He owned, he's like, this is my fault. It wasn't that my dad lacked anything. It wasn't that my dad didn't give me anything. Matter of fact, my dad gave me everything and I blew it. So I'm going to make a plan on how to get back right with my dad. Now back to the code reader, here's something that I did. Matt, you'll appreciate this because um, you know I, I enjoy mechanics, I enjoy fixing things. So I have an F-150 that uh, some of you know me, if you're brand new, I'm a little bit OCD with like cleaning things and I like my engine to look really clean. And again, I grew up in a logging family where your trucks are dirty all the time, but I just have this thing with cleaning my engine and it makes me feel good. Like sometimes I'll just take a picture and post it, just so, hey, my engine's cleaner than your engine. It's a pride thing, all right. And and so I did this, this last week. I was like, I need to wash my truck. I'm gonna wax it. You know, Chris was out of town, so it was like I'm just gonna take care of my pickup. And I listened to worship music in my garage or preaching. And and so I did something that I knew I wasn't supposed to do because I've done it before. I I washed my engine. I was like. It's really dirty, but I just—if I can just get water on this part and I, and I soaked it down and I, I just—I'm like barely, you know, everything's cool and get it all clean. It's all armor alled up. It looks good, and then I get in my truck to move it and I went. And I was like, no! I, seriously, guys, I am yelling at myself in the cab, and I said, "You know better." I'm talking to myself, and it's bouncing around. I'm—I'm I'm like, you know better. Why'd you do that? You know better. And the echo. Like in the Grinch, you know better, you know better, you know better, I know, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. Oh, I said I wouldn't say that second service, but it came out, Um, I told first there's things I can say in first service, I can't say in second service because I'm recording second service, I just said the thing I said I wouldn't say in first service, so I just did it, all right. I am Pentecostal, so I can preach fast too. And and Matt, I'm kicking myself, I'm like, why did you do that? I know my truck has ignition coils. And when water sits on it, they go into the ignition coils. That's how, that's how the intake manifold, it, it sits there. And, and I'm like, why? Stan, why? <laughs> I got to list and now I got to go. So I get in my truck and I go drive it because I got to have the code pop on now so I know what cylinder the water got into. So I'm driving up the road. And finally, the check engine light comes on. Cool, so I get my scanner, I plug it in. Cylinder number one, ignition, all right, cool. Pull it out, air it out, clean it out, WD-40. It's all, it's good, I'm driving, perfect. Finished up my day. I gotta go to my dad's birthday party, Saturday night. Same day, drive to my dad's birthday party. Have a great party. Truck runs great there. They have a little bit of a sloped driveway. And I'm a cause and effect person. I started up, just like, it was like. Yeah. Stan you know better I mean in my truck Yelling at myself And I'm like okay Matt's thinking the same thing Water runs Gravity And it went down And I'm like going This has got to be In the back cylinder So I'm driving home It's 10 miles I'm driving I'm Stop light I'm like no I don't have a big camshaft This is not a fast truck It's like bub, 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 bub. And I said My bad You know And I'm keeping the engine revved And I was like Telling myself Why 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 did you do it You know better You know better, Stan. You nobody. They must think I'm nuts. People driving, going that dude's crazy. Of course, most of all, you have those earpieces, and are y'all crazy talking to yourself? And and it's like, and I'm, and now I'm like, okay, the, the check engine light's not coming on. And this is Saturday night. I gotta get him to go to church the next day, and, and so I'm driving. And finally, get closer to my house, and I'm like, Jesus, I need the check engine light to come on because I really want—I don't want to go through every cylinder to figure out which one is wet, you know. And, and no kidding, guys, this is a true story. So I'm driving all the way to my house, ten miles, and it should have went off way faster. I pull into my garage, and the check engine light is on. Like, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> hallelujah! Lord! I was never so excited to see a check engine light come on in my truck. And I'm like, plug it in. Boom, boom. Misfire. Cylinder number four. Yes. And my tools, six millimeters. Oh, I got to get in. Boom, boom, boom. Everything's good. It runs fine now. has not done a since. I will not wash my engine anymore. What I didn't tell you was it's like the third time I've done this. I'm like, what am I thinking? <laughs> no, you can think it. Your pastor's an idiot. Just say it. I don't, no, don't say it. Why? Do we do things that we know causes misfires? And we're like, well, but this time it won't. Isn't this true? I mean, it's like I use my stupid stuff to make a point. It's like, God, I'm tired of finding illustrations to preach on. But the reason you're laughing is you all know that you're guilty of doing some of the same things. Like, why, wait, wait, this misfire last time, why would I think it wouldn't cause this again? So the good news here is that little Joe made a mess. He, he washed the engine. His intentions weren't terrible, but it's like, okay, here's the result. Now i got to focus on the fix. Now i got to do what I need to do to get this thing running the way that it needs to run. So maturity isn't just recognizing and acknowledging reality, but it's acting on the solution. I think we all know that problems don't fix themselves, Problems we create usually take work and time and effort. So he sets out not really knowing what's gonna happen, but I do think he knows his dad's character. His dad's not a pushover, okay, but he is a kind man who still demands respect. So he humbles himself and he went back. And verse 20 is a great verse. See, when the father sees him, when the father sees him, he he sees his son walking back. When he's still on his way home, it says, "A, a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with anger and wrath, and I told you so's. Is that what it says? No, it says he was filled with compassion. He was filled with compassion, and, and that's how we're supposed to approach somebody when somebody approaches us that's got a broken heart, to not stand there in judgment, and I told you so's, but with open arms. So we're going to get a view here of who God really is in your life, because you may feel like if you're running from God right now, that God would never accept you back and that, nothing can be further from the truth. You gotta remember who's, saying, who's telling this spirit, it's Jesus himself. He knows the heart of his dad. He knows the heart of his father. And he's like, guys, this is who my dad is. He loves you. He wants you to come home. And the father does something here that is undignified. okay? Most of you may not know this. And it says when the father, he runs to us son. Well, what you don't know is in this culture, there's some of you may not know, is that in this culture, the patriarch of the family did not run. It was a very undignified thing to do. He would have to pull up his little robe and he would have to run. And, that is, it is, and that's why Jesus points it out. He says he ran to him, undignified. Why? Because his son was coming home. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people thought. I'm gonna run, why? Because my boy's back. And that's what God looks for in us, that when we sin, when we blow it, that we would just simply say, God, I'm so sorry. I blew it. I washed the engine. I shouldn't, I know what happens when I wash the engine. And God says, I know you know what happens when you wash it, and you still did it, but I still love you. Why? Because you got my DNA. You're my son. You're my daughter, and I love you. And, and my love for you is not based upon your performance. It's based upon who you are. And that's a cool thing. So some of you might struggle with that, and I hope by the end of this day that you don't. He's writing a picture of God's character. So imagine what little Joe looked like physically. Okay, if you watch Bonanza, you know that when they go into the town, what do they do, man? They put on their gussied up, right? They look, they look good when they go in. And I think little Joe, when he left, and he, he left spiffy and he came back looking like a wild man. <laughs> imagine what he was feeding pigs. If he, if he couldn't afford food, he couldn't afford a haircut. He was not looking good when he came back. But God saw beyond what was in his eyes. Saw his son, humbled, broken, and what's he do? He throws his arms around him. He never one time said, hey, boys, stay back six feet, okay? Because you stink. As soon as you get a haircut, you get cleaned up, then come and talk to me and I'll give you a hug. That's not what God did. What God do, or, or, or the dad who represents God. He, what, do you just give him a big old hug? Smelliness and all. Some of you today might need that big hug from your father. And I'm here as your friend, as your pastor, to so say, you know that's the kind of God He is. He loves you even in your biggest mistakes, your smelliness, your sin, your rebellion. He just He just wants to hold you. He wants to, to come to you. You don't have to get worthy, you don't have to get all cleaned up to come to God. That He loves you as you are. Now don't you wish that people were that graceful? I wish I was that graceful. I wish I was that type of person that just, you know, any time we're here to accept I sure try to be, but there's moments that I'm not. And what I found sometimes the hardest time to be that way is with our, our close relatives, like to be that loving acceptance. When they repent, again, you gotta forgive. You know? And if they're stubborn and they're not willing to come home, you know, you'll, never, you'll notice here that the father never went after his boy. Okay? He never chased after him. Why? Because this was not a lost sheep. This was a determined to get out of Dodge or the Ponderosa sheep. Okay? A lost sheep is not a one that makes the decision to leave. A lost sheep is one that goes, oh, Where's everybody else? <laughs> that's what a, she- a sheep is like. I'm by myself. Why? Because he wandered. I've been accused in the past of, well, you don't go after the one lost sheep. And I'm like, that one lost sheep decided to leave the fold. Like, I'm not going to chase somebody who goes, you know what? I'm sick of this place. I'm out of here. That's not my-, my job is to find the person who is like decept- deceived into being in a place that they didn't end up. And that's where little Joe was. He, he had been deceived to thinking all this fun is going to be great. Well, then again, came to his senses, So the father's heart is an amazing thing. And it's like Jesus is saying, let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you how graceful he is. Let me tell you how easy he is to come home to. His arms are open wide and he loves you very much. See, God will always welcome a repentant heart. So this was not the response that the young man expected because he's like, father, I've been not worthy. His father's like, shut up, boy, give me a hug. And I love that. Also with parenting, you can't parent each kid the same way. If you're a teacher, you know that. 27 kids, 27 different personalities. And as parents, you know, you have your first child who always thinks that they're the model child. I'm the second, so. The bad part is a lot of times the first child is the model child. (laughs) And then you got the second child. Who's the second, any second kids in here? Isn't it fun to be the second kid? Not always, right? Second, and we can be stubborn, and we can be like, hey, I gotta match up. And, you see, even the children agree with Pastor Stan. That's what I love about him. I love having kids. I had a pastor one time tell me, let's tell him how many kids we had in our church. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm blessed. I don't have any kids in my church. It's like, oh, your church is dying? Like, I said, man, I'm blessed. I love kids in my church. It doesn't bother me when they cry out. That actually usually happens in an amen section. So I think angels speak through children. I think it's great. I'm glad that we have kids in our church. But this pastor really didn't know what he was saying. Right? I don't have any kids in my head. well. I just, let me just move on right there because I have words. All right. He didn't know what a blessing it is. God will always accept a repentant heart. But but, but method matters when it comes to how you parent kids because what works for kid number one doesn't always work for kid number two, right? And and then you have the third one and you're like, okay, it's all, all bets are off now because I have no idea. (laughs) It's like, I have no idea whose you are and why you're here, but you were different than the other two, and this isn't, yeah. And then those of you who are in four, I don't know the four thing, you're, you should be preaching it. I have three, and three was hard enough to wrangle. Okay. Every kid needs a different method of, of discipline, okay? Yeah. Now, for me, because I'm a biblical, like, spankings work most of the time. Yeah. Like, pain is typically a pretty good deterrent, but there are some personalities that spanking doesn't work. I've talked to parents where they're like, no, I spank them all the time and they just get more defiant." So you have to learn what works. What, what I have found is in today's generations, you get them addicted to an iPhone and then you take it from them because <laughs> then they focus on the fix. So they're like, ah, you know, I think they think it's a heart monitor that keeps their heart beating, especially if it's a teenage girl. All right. So again, it might work, right? You take the phone away and see what happens. Matter of fact, I, I, told, I think I said Wednesday night, you need to take your phone away from the kids just to show them who's boss. Get to, show them the statement say, this is my name on the statement, right? And until they start paying for their own phone, you have every right to it. And sh- you should know their passcodes, all right? Let's keep going. Some lessons can't be learned by lecture. We talked about that last week. And as a parent, I have to know how to respond uh, to, to my kid in a way that makes a mess and, and in a way that it works. In a way that works. And that can be a hard thing to find sometimes, do you ever, you ever have a kid that a spanking works, but do you have another kid that you just look at them cross-eyed and you're like, hey, and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They're like the pleaser. You know, the pleasers, you don't usually, don't usually need spankings. The pleaser usually just needs a word like, hey, I'm disappointed. And they're like, I'm so sorry. Okay, isn't it interesting? It's, it's an interesting thing that happens. Um, I, was, I was pulled over when I was in college and, um, and I was going home from school and I, I passed, it was a country road, highway, but it was through the country and I passed this car and it was, apparently I went through a turn lane, like into a little campground. I didn't recognize it. I thought it was a lane that said Stan may pass here because you're special, but I didn't. And so I passed this car and I had organ plates on my truck and, um, and so I got pulled over by CHP. He followed, they followed you and you're like, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. And I'm driving and I'm going like 85 to see if I can lose him. That's a lie. Um, I was going like 55, you know, and finally he turns his light on, and I'm like, shoot, pulled over. Uh, well, I had my, uh, this is the right way to do a traffic stop if you have a gun, okay? I had my pistol was, was below my seat, um, I had bench seats, or I lied. I had bucket seats, my pistol was right there. And so, anyway, I kept my hands on the steering wheel, okay? So he pulls up and I just said just, how you doing, officer? Just so you know, I have a, I have a pistol right there. What would you like me to do? He said, oh, well, just use your left hand and hand it to me, so I did that, he put it on top of the roof, everything's cool. And uh, he said, well, you pass through a turn lane. He goes, I don't know what the rules are in Oregon, but in California, you can't do that. I said, okay. I was like, I didn't see the pass lane, which wasn't the right thing to say, because that meant I wasn't paying attention. Like, I said, oh, you can't do that? Oh, don't worry, we do it all the time. Yeah, pass lane, I mean, you know, turn lane. And uh, anyways, I did say, I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't, didn't even see it. And he's like, all right, well, just have a good day and don't do it again. I was like, cool. See, sometimes grace makes a bigger impact than a ticket, okay? But on the flip side, if you're always getting pulled over and they see you have lots of tickets, you're probably going to get another one because what they're saying is, this isn't working, Right? And so we have to learn that method is, and God's method again is, is grace. Sometimes compassion and grace is better, a better teacher than discipline. What I believe Jesus is trying to teach us is that God is a compassionate father when we admit our faults and come to him with humility and repentance. I'm gonna stick to my notes here just for the sake of time. He's also a God of wrath when we refuse to repent. So God is more compassionate than we think, and yet he's also more wrathful than we think. And not only does dad, does Pa welcome little Joe home, but he throws a party, much to the dismay of of Haas, the older brother, whom we'll deal with next week. And I think I have a title, Haas Not Happy. (laughs) Let me think about that. That's what I wrote down. So I think we'll stick with the title, Haas Not Happy, because he's not. But God's heart is always restoration. Well, what do I do when I have a prodigal? Let's talk about that for a moment because that was my post this morning. What do I do when I have a product? I have a a son or a daughter or a grandkid that's away from God. How How do I navigate those waters? How do I navigate those waters? Well, first of all, you need to understand this. Do not burn the bridge. Do not burn the bridge. Conviction is not up to you. Prayer is up to you. Conviction is up to the Holy Spirit. I believe the pod didn't go after little Joe because he knew little Joe and his partying that if he showed up at the saloon and said, hey, little Joe, how's everything going? Joe would go, this is great, okay? This is great. It wasn't until he was feeding pigs that he came to his senses. When, when life got down as the lowest it could get, okay, if he was a Jewish man, which I'm assuming he was, that was the lowest as the low. You don't have to be the Holy Spirit to people when they're at rock bottom. You let, let God be God. Let the Holy Spirit be God. Your job is to pray, your job is to pray for them. So you don't have to chase after them. Some people just have to find out, as hard as that is as a parent, sometimes if they're adult and they, they, they're old enough to make decisions, I'm not saying don't be a parent of teenagers, teenager, but if they're old enough, sometimes you just have to let them go and let God deal with it. Don't say, well, if I was a better parent, don't, don't play the stupid what if game. That is the worst thing you can do, okay? It's the worst thing you can do. Well, if I did that, guys, you didn't. You can't go back and change it. You have to say, you know what? I may not have been the best parent, but I did the best that I knew how to do at the time. Then be okay with that because God knows that's where you're at. Playing the what if game doesn't, cha- doesn't change anything. doesn't change the past. And so Paul allows little Joe to go make the mess of his life, but I can tell you this because Paul saw little Joe at a distance. He was waiting for him every day. I think he was praying, God, would you just, just touch little Joe's heart? Bring him home, and when he's home, I'm gonna be watching, I'm gonna watch every day he gets up and he looks, and 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 he saw him that final day. So the timing isn't up to you. So as a parent, guys, give yourself a break. You did the best you could. And let me let me point this out. The child that's off doing their own thing was hard-headed anyway. So you probably were not going to change them. Okay? Some people just have to find out the hard way. Give yourself a break. Don't play that what-if game. You did the best good. You love your kid. You love them. Sometimes they just make their own decisions. So you can't, don't, don't blame yourself. That's the, the worst thing you can do is blame yourself. But I would ask you to not burn the bridge, which is, again, our series is on tendencies. Our tendency is to light that sucker on fire. <laughs> or oh, you go across that bridge, huh? Boom, right? <laughs> That was a demolition in the military, man. I'll blow that bridge up if you, would. I wasn't personally, but that's what I would have done had I been in the military. Um, I kind of like explosives. And probably a good reason I wasn't in the military, I probably would have got kicked out. <laughs> dishonorable discharge, why? Because he was discharging things that were dishonorable. Some of you will get that, discharge means boom, right? And we burned the bridge, or we, we were like, put the guard up, like, oh, you, you're gonna make a decision, you can't go back, you're kid needs to know that the gate is always unlocked. Always. Don't be the Holy Spirit to him. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. I'm not a good Holy Spirit anyway. If You ever try to be, like in my marriage? How come when I ask questions, I'm the only one that raises my hand? Am I the only one not living in denial here, right? We try to be the Holy Spirit. We put those little nuggets of truth out there. And, um, you know, let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying don't deal with stuff, but I'm saying we try to overdo it sometimes. God's heart, again, is always restoration, Here's what I believe. Understand that they've lost their senses. And I think that's what Jesus is telling us here. This guy lost his senses. How do we know that? Because this is when he came to his senses. He came back to go, this is not fun. So what I would would say for you is to pray for misery. Pray for divine discomfort, that they would not be comfortable in their sin. They would not be comfortable in their rebellion. I think God is perfectly fine with you praying for that. Why? Because it's the discomfort that causes us to change. It's the discomfort that causes us to say, you know what, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't fun anymore. And let yourself off the hook, guys. You're good parents. You are. You love your kids. You love your kids. God knows you love your kids. He knows you did the best that you knew how to do. God is not looking at your rebellious child going, wow, if you were a better parent, then they wouldn't be. There's no biblical scripture for that. What the scripture is, is there are prodigals. It's not new from me. I heard a pastor say, he said, hey, God has prodigals and he's a perfect father. So why are you so hung up on what you didn't do right? If people are willing to to rebel against God, God has prodigals. That leaves us off the hook, doesn't it? Because we're not near as good as him. So when they come to their senses, the important thing is not beat them up when they come across the bridge, but to love them on the bridge. Love them on the bridge. Pastor John, you go ahead and come on back. Little Joe knew he could come back, and that's important. He knew he could come back. He didn't know what to expect. But I think in his heart, he went, my dad does love me, and I think the bridge is still standing. There's not gonna be this big old gate. Anyway, I think what... What Jesus is teaching us here is genuine repentance will always open the heart of the Father to bringing you home. Genuine repentance. So just keep praying. If you have a problem, just keep praying. Just keep praying that God knows what he's doing. Again, our seriousest fighting tendencies, tendencies to blame ourselves. Now the question here is, are you the prodigal? Are you the one that, maybe you went, God, I just want my section of the pond roasted and I'm gonna go do what I wanna do. Are you the one that, Washed the engine knowing what probably was going to happen, but thinking it wouldn't this time. Here's what I need you to know, is there's a God that loves you so much that he's waiting and he's watching. He's just, are they gonna come home? Is today the day, is today the day that my son or daughter is gonna come home? And if that's you, he's got his arms wide open. He's not, he's not waiting for you to get worthy or take a shower, or spiritually be ready. He just wants you to come home as you are. That's what God wants for you. So if you bowed your heads with me today, if you would, that's my question is, are you the prodigal? Do you need to give your life to Jesus? You know guys, there's a heaven and there's a hell. There's an eternity, every single one of us. We will take our last breath someday and we will face God and we'll give an account of our life And the Bible is very clear that says if you die without having ever given your life to Jesus Christ, that, that your own sins are paid for by you in hell for eternity. And that's the whole reason God sent Jesus was so that we wouldn't go there. And the Bible, like I said, also says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're away from God today, if you've never given your life to him, but you want to, you want to make heaven your home, I'm going to ask you to be bold and brave just between you and the Lord, but if you just lift your hand up for a moment that I can see it because I want to pray with you. Is there anybody in this place you just need to get right with God? Anybody at all? Okay. Okay, all right. So there's one hand raised and there may be some online as well. So what I like to do, church, as a family, we just pray this prayer together just in support of those who have raised their hands. And let's just say it. Dear Jesus. Good. I believe that you died for my sins. And I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Amen. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, hey, you prayed that prayer. Amen. Welcome to the family. Amen. 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 I'm proud of you. Best decision you'll ever make. All right? So now. Angels in heaven rejoice, and that's a cool thing. The Bible says that every person that repents, the angels throw a party. My goal as, as Change Life Church is there would be a lot of partying as a result of our church being in existence, amen? Amen. So love you all, thank you guys so much. And again, if you have a prodigal, that's a, you're in a tough spot. Keep the bridge open, amen? Quit blaming yourself. Just continue to pray. Let God do the work on the other end, okay? Let him, and, and, and he will bring them back. I really believe that. Sooner or later, he'll bring them back, amen? All right. Yeah, let's close with a verse. I went over time anyway. What's another couple minutes?